the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Uh, okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of of Chirac, hear me now! What, you haven't been drawing your Charlie Hebdo pictures lately? Why not? Too scared to pick up a pen? Apparently the sword is mightier, infidels! And I, the mighty Ayatollah Telayi, Bin Hami, make his triumphant return to Chirac to crush you morons and blitz the pro wrestling! So on February the 28th, go to Joe Lyette! and watch me crush your favorite Blitz Pro superstars into nothing, infidels. Because to me, you are already dead. YOLO! YO MOHOMED! <laughs> this is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to the flagship two-man power trip of wrestling interview podcast here on the TMPT Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined here by my co-host, the one and only JP, John Paz. And on this week, we're branching over into our Russo brand family as we welcome in a guy who may be one of the most underrated podcasters in the pro wrestling genre. He is the one and only hacker, Bin Hameen, joining us today and if you don't know Ben Hameen going into this interview hopefully by the time it is over you will know a lot about Hacker Hameen and everything going on with Hameen Media as well as uh, just the uh, the comedic stylings of uh, perhaps a character of Ben Hameen's uh, otherwise known as Bince if you haven't listened to any of his podcasts before 
But, John, I mean, Bin Hamin is a guy that when I first kind of introduced you to Bin Hamin, I don't know if we really knew what to expect. But as you kind of get to hear him, you kind of get to uh, know his styles. He joined us on the Triple Threat Podcast for our big episode 100. He is one hell of a funny guy. And I definitely think with this interview today, hopefully we do introduce a whole audience to uh, the comedic stylings of this Bin Hamin. Yeah, he's just great. He's such a funny guy. And if you haven't heard him on the Russo brand, obviously, you know, he's got his own podcast network, the Hacker Hameen Media Group over there, just kind of um, dominating the airwaves when he's not on the Russo brand, kind of doing his own thing. But he is such a funny guy and obviously has the improv and the comedy background. So he's very familiar with that as well as the wrestling world. So it's great to kind of combine both. And when he does the Vince character, which is obviously, like you mentioned, a big play off the owner of the WWE, Vince McMahon such a perfect you know um, imitation such a perfect job of kind of copying vince and say, even you know the little things that vince would say and you know you just kind of pick up on it. it's very subtle but it's very good and he's just so good at it and when you can mix wrestling and comedy when it's done correctly it's great obviously there's uh, so many people out there that do it incorrectly and it's absolutely terrible and if you watch wb i think you <laughs> probably know that all too well but it, as far as uh, Ben Hameen here, he just does it so perfectly, and he really nails the the Vince character. And I just everything he says, I just find it so funny, especially when he's doing Master Shoot Theater and he's got Stevie there, and Stevie's playing the straight man. It's just a perfect combination of those two playing off of each other. Oh my gosh, yeah, they are great together. Uh, the whole entire thing, the Master Shoot Theater, just kind of evolved. Uh, went from just a little bit at the end of a Raw and SmackDown review to now being a full-blown spinoff podcast, part of Vince Russo's Patreon. But it, just the fact that it did fill in the end of a podcast, the podcast itself that it was a part of, to me, I find to be the best Raw and SmackDown review that you'll be able to find on the internet or in the wrestling podcast genre because you got two guys who were there in Stevie and Vince Russo, but then you also throw Ben in there who's got experience in OVW as well as being on the, the indie scene for nearly 20 years. So it, it's got such a cool vibe to it and a, and a great view that for somebody like me who's tapped out over the last couple of years because I just find it to be so uninteresting and not holding my attention, I can turn to these guys and listen to them because they're giving me an actual breakdown from a worker's point of view, from somebody who's seen it from the developmental side, and then also from the writing perspective. So it makes for the great you know, mix of the three personalities, but... You can't discount that comedic factor that I, I'm going to just lean back on again because Master Shoot Theater was like a five-minute bit that turned into like a ten-minute bit that they ended up having to spin off. And anytime you can spin off a character, I mean, have a hello, do we remember The Simpsons? When you can spin off a character from a five-minute bit into a full podcast, that is pretty damn impressive. And those three guys uh, are doing an amazing job with that. Yeah, Master Shoot Theater is great. It's so funny and so good. But kind of aside from that, they really are great wrestling minds. And you talk about the Raw and SmackDown review. Love that. Love listening to that. Love listening to, like, kind of, you, you would say opinions, but a lot of facts in there and a lot of teaching tools and a lot of psychology and a lot of how wrestling should be or could be done. So, I mean, there's so much of, of a learning tool there as well when you really listen to it. You're like, wow, you're, like, psychology-wise and writing-wise, you're like, man, those three are right. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, holy shit, like, they nailed it on the head or, like, if they predict something's going to happen or, 
you know, like, you know, Bischoff's going to be gone. He's going to be a scapegoat. Boom. What happens? Different things like that. It's like, wow, really got to tune in to these guys and really pay attention to what they're saying because they really, really know what they're talking about. And they're just three smart guys with so much experience. You mentioned Vince and Stevie being a part of it back in the day and obviously a big part of the Attitude Era, a huge part of the Attitude Era. But Vince, a.k.a. Ben Hameen, has been around for a long time in the OVW era in the mid-2000s. So, I mean, he's been around for about 13 years or so in the wrestling business. So he really kind of mastered his craft. He has a lot of experience, and he knows what he's talking about as well. And that character that he plays, I mean, it's always going to get heat no matter what PC era we're in. You know, the terrorist is always going to be able to go in there and take on the, the baby face. He's always going to be able to battle your incoming legend, and he plays such a great part. And that's another thing I love that he kind of incorporates into when he's describing something. Is he'll talk about, you know, hey, when I had to be put up against Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you know, this is the kind of psychology I use because I'm this hated heel and this and that. And it's, it's very cool, and it's unique. And uh, I hope people really do take what he says and listens because he's a very smart guy when it comes to the wrestling world. And he's definitely uh, under the radar uh, as far as the mainstream goes, but hopefully uh, that changes. But I don't know. He's such a conspiracy theorist, and he's such a uh, he's such a cool guy from that perspective that I don't know. He might want to stay under the radar because uh, he's kind of those uh, voice of the voiceless guys. He's starting to make it into that territory. But before we get into the interview, John, I know it's a little bit of a lengthy one between you and Ben. You know, kind of give us something that you learned about. Vin- I'm calling him Ben. So you learned about <laughs> Ben that you might not have known going in and you were surprised to uh, to hear about him? I think one of the things that I learned about him, there's so many different things, so many great things, such a great interview. I can't wait to kind of get him back on and talk to him again. But his history with Ed Ferrara, and obviously uh, we've had him on the show, great interview, but I've actually been uh, to school, so to speak, with Ed and uh, been a part of that as well, that, that world. But his history with Ed Ferrara is amazing. And, and where kind of Ben got started in the wrestling business and how he kind of moved forward was because of Ed. And I just never knew that in the connection to Ed, which obviously gives you a connection to Vince Russo. And it kind of all plays together. But I just found that so interesting and so intriguing. So when we kind of get towards the the end part of the interview, you're going to really love the story about Ed Ferrara, one of the unsung heroes of the uh, professional wrestling business, one of the great writers, one of the guys that was a part of the Attitude Era just as much as Russo and was co-writing with Russo. And I do mention it to Ben in the interview, which is funny. Triple H says in an interview not that long ago, he's like, oh, um, well, it was uh, Vince Russo and uh, that other guy writing the Attitude Era. Well, that other guy's at Ferrara, and that other guy <laughs> played a pretty pivotal role. And a damn good writer, and did a lot of you know great stuff. And I just love the connection that Ben had, and how Ed kind of got Ben into the wrestling business. <laughs> Glimpses of the Triple H that we all know start to come out mm-hmm. here and there. Yep. He tries to have yep. <laughs> he tries to have that protective NXT coating over him these days, but it still starts to seep out. And anybody from our so generation, yeah, we, so we understand fake. what he's talking about. I mean, come on, you know, you can't remember Ed Ferrara's name. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> he he must have just found out that uh, Ed was, you know, um, had a relationship with Bonnie Hammer and was like um, kind of like a liaison or a consultant for for raw for many years and he, triple h probably found out about it like i'm not even gonna give this guy any credit screw this guy yeah he was doing that behind our back screw him exactly yeah he probably wrote an anti triple h promo at one point yeah i never forgot it Some, something yeah. something so small can just be held for so long but 
nonetheless, yeah, check out not only uh, Ben over on the Russo brand. You know, hey, look, we have a home there with the the franchise and the Triple Threat podcast. So we're very happy to have Ben cross over to the TMPT Empire again. And uh, would love to have him back on with Shane because if you could get yourself, if you get your hands on episode 100 of the Triple Threat podcast, you would actually get to see and hear just the chemistry that they had from the literal hello and introduction because the two of them bouncing stuff off each other was was very cool. And sooner or later, we'll get him back on the air with Shane too. And uh, I love that dynamic of you never know what's going to be said. And uh, of course, we also know how Vince plays uh, with a guy like Shane Douglas. Because even though Shane might be in on the joke, I think sometimes he might take it a little seriously because <laughs> Vince is that accurate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap it up here now and let's head over to this interview with Hacker Hameen. Uh, but before we do that, let's send you over to tmptempire.com. That's where all the uh, the podcasts are being housed. So check out J.J. Dillon. Check out Francine. Check out the aforementioned Shane Douglas and all the links for all of these uh, great superstars we have under the TMPT umbrella. So that's enough out of me. Let's head on over to the interview with Hacker Hameen. And strap in, folks, because you're uh, liable to learn something that you might not have heard from an unsung hero of the wrestling business, Bin Hamid. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip, and at Raslin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Mike, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas' store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Automatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. And now, without any further ado, a former CW World Tag Team Champion, a former Dynasty Tag Team Champion, and the current ICW Northeast Champion, you may know him as the Hacker, or Bits, but he is Ben Hamid. Enjoy. CW World Tag Team Champion, a former Dynasty Tag Team Champion, a former ICW, actually current ICW Northeast Champion. You may know him as The Hacker or Vince, but he is Bin Hameen. Bin, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. 
Yes, now it's going to be the big power trip, infidels, because as, as I combine on the juice from the mind, heal up, wheel up, bring it back, come rewind, attack or Hameen, invading the two-man power trip, and there can only be one man at the top with all that power, and it's not Kanye, it's Hacker Hameen, infidels, YOLO. <laughs> now, Ben, you are all over the place. I mean, you got the, the Hacker Media dominating, you're dominating on, on, on the Russo brand. What do you got kind of going on? I mean, you non-stop busy doing podcasts and, and wrestling <laughs> through, all around. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, everyone always says living the dream is like a half rib, but you know, that, that John Cena hustle, uh, you know, slogan is that's the real grind for anybody's out here trying to make it, whether it's the MCs that I mentor in business and, and how to get themselves over or the comedians that I do or the wrestlers, uh, and, and building my own brand. So, very fortunate to have a very loyal uh, group of producers, uh, you know, backing me up, producing free content at uh, hackerhameen.podbean.com or hackerhameen on iTunes, free media every day, you know, seven days a week. And uh, it, it is to keep that machine running. I was fearful of it, but uh, as uh, the best will always find each other, things have just started to progress incredibly, man. So to team up with Russo brand and, uh, doing stuff with uh, the great Vince Rousseau. It's just uh, been uh, a wonderful ride this year, man. And we even had the pleasure of having you on our Triple Threat podcast with Shane, and Vince made a, a, uh, a debut. That was great. I got to tell you, that was probably the highlight of my year this year so far, man. Like, big respect for uh, the franchise, obviously, just even getting to work uh, on shows with him. He and I did a spot together where he was a surprise guest and Jake Roberts or whatever they were doing, whatever. And, uh, you know, once that, that uh, bag with the snake hit the back of my heels, I was getting the hell out of there before franchise could hit me with the kendo stick. So, uh, <laughs> some other guys took that, took that beating, but, uh, that, that was a, a great time. And then, to you know, come on as the, the Vince character that I've been doing with, uh, Vince Russo for his Patreon on master shoot theater with, you know, my tag partner, Stevie Richards, who's I'm just so, uh, honored to be able to work with him he's really helped make Hameen Media what it is uh, by you know the credibility of his uh, multiple decade career working for all three of the big uh, companies and, and just having a legacy that's undeniable so like I said from the producers who are making their bones from the young boys two of my more seasoned producers to the, the wrestlers like GGP and Big Sal and my Conspiracy Horseman brothers and, uh, you know, doing their own thing with Horror Junkyard or the New Force Order. Uh, it's just awesome to see everybody claiming their own piece of uh, the property and really growing what they can on it. You know what I mean? I really And, and I love the synergy between our stuff and uh, franchises stuff. I, I think there's a lot on the horizon for everybody to be prosperous. Uh, by supporting each other. And that's why I'm here tonight, man. I was uh, honored to be back on with you. Awesome. I absolutely love it. And I love the fact that Shane is such a conspiracy theorist. And obviously, you know, you guys are too. You, uh, GGP, sure. Big Sal. I mean, you guys, uh, you guys love that stuff. When he starts talking about that stuff, are you in line with a lot of stuff he's saying? Or do you think that franchises is, is maybe even too far out there with some of his conspiracy theories? Well, franchise is one of these guys, and I, I've kind of been pigeonholed to the following, and it's, it's an honor to be kind of compared uh, to it. Raven gets us to a guy who's too smart for wrestling. And obviously his education and the way he can verbalize his thoughts <laughs> without having to scream at somebody, you know, and, and, can, and can do what he's done. 
uh, he's going to be on a higher level of thought than somebody who's just watching Real Housewives, The Bachelor, and uh, Dancing with the Stars. You know what I mean? Not to say that uh, anything wrong with that, because we watch guys roll around in their underwear and boots and, you know, get mad about it for real, and it's all phony. So to say whoever likes whatever, that's what it is. But Shane Douglas is a mind that's on a, a next level, a next plateau, and that's probably why he was stifled from some things in his career, because people are threatened by great minds like that. And uh, if I'm lumped in there in the underground and I can even come in contact to uh, have a fun, you know, uh, show with him, well, man, as a guy who came up watching ECW, a diehard ECW fan, uh, what more can I ask for in my career to, to be doing that? Uh, there, there isn't much more. As far as the conspiracy horsemen and putting that together, how did that all kind of come about? It was just kind of like mine, <laughs> yeah. thinking about it. Like, how did you guys come up with that? Yeah, well, I mean, my whole character, uh, you know, the, the Ben Hamin, I mean, this is, I am really am Ben Hamin. This is my infidel uh, persona that you get now, you know, so I have to calm it down because it's too much Ben Hamin for you guys. Uh, so this persona is able to deliver that news with a, a, a softer blow. But uh, for years and decades, uh, you know, in the locker room or even when I was doing comedy before in Chicago, this it was always on the fringe, you know, the fringe of thought and you could easily get cut down and tinfoil hat wear and they could easily write you off as an Alex Jones accessory or what have you. Um, but we used Facebook as a way to connect for how it should be used. I knew big sale from East from, uh, well, I was from ECW watching them and I had met him when I was a fan. And, uh, then when, <clears throat> I was in the business at OVW. He had come there and he's good friends with roadkill. And I, I learned a lot from roadkill uh, while he was there as well. And, uh, you know, Sal and I, everyone gravitates towards Sal, not just because of his size, but his pers- his personality is one of the, in the best in the wrestling business. If anybody has any heat with big Sal that you talk to in the business, the problem is that they're the asshole, nothing with Sal. Everybody loves him, dude. So he and I hit it off just goofing on Southern fans and, and and all that being New York guys down there in the South together. And we would talk about this kind of stuff, the fantasy stuff that he likes and, you know, just anything conspiracy wise, we were down. And my roommate was uh, Martin Evans, who's uh, a personality in Europe, in uh, London on the BBC and twinkle toes, Martin Evans, if you want to look him up in OVW era, but we were all great friends, man. And uh, then, you know, once I came back north and was in 2CW and all that kind of stuff, and my career was shaping up, I, I met Greek God Papadon <clears throat> at a show, and and we started talking that kind of stuff, too. So through Facebook, I would have Sal and GGP would be tagging me on things, and then I'd see Mike Manna. And I was like, Mike Manna. So I click on it a couple times, and uh, I see it's Stevie Richards. I was like, oh, shit. So... You know, we I had him, we become friends, and, and uh, Stevie and I did one episode of uh, an early series I was doing, uh, Hameen's Hardcore Happy Hour, when I was still uh, doing stuff on WrestleZone. And it was like, hey, man, what I know you like conspiracies. What conspiracies do you like? Kind of like a first bro date, if you will, podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we got into it. And then the show after that, the four of us were just kind of like, hey, let's try this and do something. And, it was, it's just the locker room level talk of workers who've seen politicians wrestling politics kills all politics. It's way above Washington, DC. 
it's for no reason. And it's like a perfected assassination. Like <laughs> that's what you're trained to do in, in wrestling behind the scenes. And sometimes you get your throat cut and sometimes you cut your own throat. So for us to look at conspiracies and lies from a worker's standpoint, we can see through a lot of bullshit real fast that a lot of marks or, or you know, Tom and Nancy Brown, Jim Smith can't. So things just kind of took off and, we started getting better and better guests and Billy Ray Valentine who's one of my producers. Who's now working with David Icke on his new platform was doing the infinite fringe. And we just kind of started shaping up this circle that is, you know, people outside of wrestling where we can talk to them and bring them in. And then, you know, after two years of straight shows and, and taking, having great guests from Dr. David Janda to, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, Bill Burns, uh, from, uh, ancient alien theory. And now we just had John McAfee on. So it's been an unbelievable ride of just saying, Hey, anybody can be gotten to via social media with the right message and they want to have their story told too. And if you're a like-minded person on a high level of thought, showing respect, not getting emotional saying, God damn the government. Like we went through all that, you know, now we look at it from both sides, all sides and even question our own uh, viewpoints of it to become better men and better observers and better thinkers. I know that's long winded, but that's really how we came together, man. And now every Wednesday night, twitch.tv slash conspiracy horseman, the chat room grows with like-minded people. The numbers just keep raising and raising. And it's not people in there trying to get their shit in. It's people doing research and sharing things with us. It's our street team on Twitter scooping us to stories before we get it. And then sometimes they'll get it like 40 times in one day, but I almost don't mind that because that shows me that I have a core audience of people who are thirsty for truth and want to be verified. And I can kind of not, it's not about control, but saying, Hey, let's look at this objectively and say, where are the holes in it? And through those holes, what questions can be raised? And now we're just having a conversation, which is what our media should be doing but it's so corrupt and failed us that we are the underground and we're doing it, man. And it's, it's an honor to be able to be able to serve people this way, dude. I know we're the voice in a lot of people's ears from police in their cars to truckers on the road to dudes working overnight shift to tattoo parlors. I get help by reporters, like all these people who are listening. I, I don't realize how far our impact goes. Even if our show numbers aren't that high, the people we're reaching is such an in-tune audience. It's incredible to me. That is the best when you get that loyal fan base and, and like the real engaged listeners. I mean, that, that is the absolute best. Yeah, it absolutely is, man. And it's a, it's a strange power to wield. And I, I try to not be heavy handed with it um, because you can turn a, a group that wants to be loyal to you into a, a roving bunch of trolls very quickly. <laughs> and that can be fun for a second, but it can get out of hand. And I don't want to be that guy that just says sick them unless the, the purpose is right. And, and the payoff is, uh, you know, to, for everyone's benefit, not just my own and Hami media zone for the world. That's why I run an independent media company where, there's nothing behind a paywall. Every show you get at Hacker Hameen Media is free. You know, on Russo, on the extended content, the special stuff we're doing, it's at a very low price. And everyone who signs up says, I either wish I signed up sooner and I'm going back and I love every bit of this, or I can't believe how good this is and I'm getting it for such a cheap price. So 
like the paywall stuff with him, I'm honored to do it. Uh, but, uh, when it comes to me and what my MO is to wake people up, offer a value and a place and a community for like-minded people who want to talk wrestling at a high level, who want to be open and minded about the world we live in and, and not being controlled and media manipulated and, and not being commercially just like targeted all the time, you know? So that's what we tried to build. I mean, and now it's starting to, to pay a little bit because of certain aspects of how far our tentacles are. But I tell my producers this, and this is true in everything I've ever been in. Anything that starts with a labor of love, when you start injecting money into it, it fucks it up. It breeds jealousy. It breeds uh, envy and, and, and a little bit of greed. And I try and keep my books open as much as I can for all my guys. But <laughs> I'm a huge Wu-Tang Clan fan, and I liken it to this. Wu-Tang might be incredibly over it worldwide, but they got to split the pie 10 ways. And I got 12 to 16 people <laughs> that are doing work for me right now. So when there's very, any money trickling in, when you got to split it up like that, no one can be like, holy shit and jealous when all it is is a $25 Amazon gift card, you know? So uh, <laughs> right. it, it really is. It really is the, them being loyal, loving the work that we're doing and knowing that they're building something that may build to a bigger opportunity for all of us because we said we're going to do our best work. We're going to be artists in our own Renaissance and, uh, and what the fuck comes out of it. It doesn't matter if it's money because we made something that's genuine and no one can ever take that away. Now, as far as conspiracy horsemen and the stuff you guys get into, I don't know exactly all the stuff you've got into. I know obviously some of the nine 11 stuff and some of the other stuff, but have you guys gotten into like the like the the Nazi stuff and and the Hitler stuff and the hunting Hitler? Have you guys kind of delved into that at all? Oh, with, with Hitler's escape and the Tim Kennedy yeah. series, yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely, man. Uh, we we I think we did two or three shows. <clears throat> I think it was a two episode piece because there's so much to cover because it ties into Antarctica and uh, the ba- the secret Nazi base there. Plus, Tim Kennedy's did an, an incredible job. I'm uh, that's one dude who I respect because even though, you know, you're on TV and we've lost four TV shows, um, excuse me, not just what he did as a soldier, but what he does as a truth finder, because you're not going to tell that guy anything, you know, uh, uh, this is, we got a, are, we, are you PG on here? Or is it a free, free shot? Oh, you know, well, hey, free. Yeah. Hey, whatever you got to <laughs> yeah, say. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I figure it's franchise, but yeah, you can't, <laughs> what, what the fuck are you going to tell Tim Kennedy? Right? Like right. he could end you in 20 seconds if he wanted to, he's a trained killer. So the fact that a guy like that, who's another mind, they, you know, and, and she'll get in there and get in the ring and do what he wants to, to prove his testosterone. But when it comes to uncovering truth, those are the people I want to surround myself with. That's the, the type of shit I want to get to, whether it's, you know, Steve Quayle and, and their search for the Giants, uh, that's very, very interesting to me. So aside from, you know, the usual ones, we definitely, that Hitler stuff, we absolutely believe he escaped, whether it was uh, South America, they try to paint on there, or Antarctica. There's a lot of unanswered questions, especially when you're talking about Admiral Byrd's expedition there where they were attacked by you know, unknown weapons, flying saucers, and then they saw UFOs with Nazi symbols on them. 
that's just like, mm, okay. And, and the U-boat stuff and, the, and there's tons of Nazi gold that's still unfound. There's supposedly there's a whole train with like 30 billion in bullion on it. That's buried in some mountain that nobody knows where it is in Europe still. So there's all these things that our world, and we think we're so goddamn smart that we're barely scratching the surface. I'm very interested now uh, in, well, many conspiracies, but uh, this, the technology that's mapping South America through the jungles, and you're seeing these mega city structures that were there, that the jungle is just kind of eaten. Uh, dude, there's temples and, and, and pyramids that are going to, have effect of sacred geometry that, you know, reflect the stars in the sky, similar to how the pyramids of Giza do and all this stuff, like all these mysteries could be unlocked. And I'm not saying go chop down the rainforest and shit, but the technology we have right now is going to show us a lot of things that is going to be a real life Indiana Jones in our lifetime. Again, it's crazy, man. Uh, it's absolutely nuts. Had the actual pleasure of interviewing Tim Kennedy a few years ago. Talked all about hunting Hitler, obviously about his MMA career too, which is really cool. But you know what? Yeah. What's so fascinating about that stuff, you know, especially even in Argentina. Why is all this Nazi stuff there? Why do all of them still, you know, why do they live there? Why do they sure. find the remain? Why do they find all the remains of them there? And then why am I looking up FBI documents where, like, oh yeah, in August of 1945, uh, Hitler traveled there? Like, wait, 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 wait. rewind a second, wait. August 1945. I thought he was dead in April of 1945. They're like, you know, it's like, even if you look at some FBI documents, you're like, what the hell? Like they knew. And then you, you know, you see interviews with like um, Stalin, even or even our government saying like, oh yeah, they, they, they escaped. Like, wait, that wasn't what was said in the media. They said that he he was killed. And then they find out. Yeah, dude. Then they find the bodies, and it was a, it was a woman's body. It wasn't his body. And they're like, yeah, this was like a mm-hmm. young teenage girl. Just like the crazy conspiracy. It is nuts what's really out there and the truth that's out So there. if you start there and then like, okay, like people don't want, they want to believe what they were taught in eighth grade history, right? That That's mm-hmm. just locked yep. in their minds when your brain is, brain is soft and you're trusting of things. And then something along your path after that, whether you're ninth to 12th grade or whatever, sticks out and says, eh, uh, that that doesn't make sense to me. And maybe that's when you become a conspiracy theorist or later in life when, you know, things just stick out as too commercial to you. But the, this is a, a truth of deception of secret societies, the tool society, the SS, the, the OSS, the early CIA, the FBI, Hoover. Uh, you know, think about the warning that uh, Eisenhower gave, you know, from the desk of uh, about military industrial complex taking over he's talking about bush and the in their families that were dynasties that brought us into war bush and bin laden family were having breakfast the morning of 9-11 2.3 trillion dollars missing like there's just so many things world trade center seven like that they're all tied into if these people are, are getting away with it now even in this major media time it would have been easy as shit to get away with it back in the fucking 40s because <laughs> you just wait for the newspaper you know like mm-hmm. or the yep. radio pot like the shit was people got away with so much shit there was no phones and all that to tape everybody so it, you know all you have to do is a, is a simple wrestling misdirection spot with sure the dead girl's body burn them like uh they did on star wars with auntie and uncle there uh you know and then mm. we'll take that out 
and and then we'll also send one of his lookalikes to Antarctica and, and ship that story while he goes to Spain and then, you know, reboats is something that's not a U-boat because his health can't take it and makes it all the way to South America where they had everything set up anyway. They had guys working for years to get things ready. So, I mean, if you look at a Tim Kennedy series, and that's awesome that you fucking interviewed him. Congrats to you, man. Yeah. Please send me that link. I'd love to hear that. Um, but, uh, you know, that he goes to that village where it's all blonde hair, blue eyed people. It's a yeah. closed village where they try to make it like yep. little, it's a small world, uh, Uber land after all. And they're in there making weapons and shit, bro. Like these are well, whose people, whose kids do you think these are that their time, uh, you know, output is making weapons. They're the sons and daughters of the soldiers of Nazis. That's all those people knew. They were warriors. Yep. So, it's, you know, like, it, it's very... And if you're going to a foreign land, guess what? Guns are going to get you. When you go down to the villagers and know how to grow fucking potatoes and all the other shit, <laughs> you put a gun in their face, they're going to give you your shit real quick. Oh, yeah, we're gun makers now. Oh, sure you are. Sure you are. <laughs> you're not war criminals. It's uh, so crazy. So, it's so crazy when you, like, think about it. And then you see, like... Yeah like when you see the people they're like oh yeah you know and then like let's say a grandfather or whatever like oh yeah we were maids and and they that we had they were had guarded people well who the hell were they guarding yeah. oh well well <laughs> Himmler, right wasn't yeah. it himmler's like daughter they talked to yeah crazy <laughs> what the fuck my grandfather was a master sergeant he was a the stenographer at the Nuremberg trials where they hung, you know, all the dudes that didn't get out and shit yep. like that, that they left the mid card guys <laughs> that got fucked over once the, the fed went out of business. Um, yep. but my grandfather brought home stacks of all the transcripts. And, um, I remember after he passed, I had, I had found them when I was in junior high doing a report going through my grand, they had like three attics just full of stuff of historic stuff. But uh, they took him to the Holocaust Museum. My mother and my my aunt did uh, in in D.C. to do that because it was all non-redacted of like Klaus von Sterner hung, shot in the balls, and you know, like pitched out into a pit or whatever. You know, like SS. Uh, There's just lists of guys like that that got taken out in trial, man. Oh, it's nuts. And then, like, if you even look at it further, like Joseph Mengele, he was the angel of death. He was living for a while under a different name, and then he started living under his own name in in South America. So it's like they were like almost open about a lot of the guys that got out, but we kind of were like, yeah, whatever, well, like let's forget about it. And we'll have you know we'll bring one of the Nazis over, and he'll be in charge of this, the um, the rocket program and the space program. Yeah, Werner like, von Braun, right? Like yeah, so, yeah, what, crazy. everything is like, oh, how dare they? Until you win the war and you get to retell history of like. And we got rockets now, kids, and they market that in cereal and all this shit yep. just to, like, get it over instead of being like, oh, we've got war criminals who wanted to wipe you off the planet with early nuclear holocaust. But guess who they're working for now, kids? Like, you know, there's – there's all, and I was talking to John McAfee about this, who's worked on black projects for the military, and I wanted to ask him about UFOs because there's been a lot – with the Tic Tac UFO and Air Force guys giving testimony in the last year or two, and, and, you know, in his own McAfee way, telling us that our technology is 50 years behind of what our government has, which we, we've heard that a, a bunch from Bob Lazar or whatever it is on Rogan, um, you know, that 
that we know about them having anti-gravity defying technology and the bell stuff that that's been researched that the Nazis had there and Werner von Braun and, and coming over here with rocket technology, but anti-gravity technology has been pioneered for a while now. So McAfee was even saying to us, UFOs, maybe, but right in house shit that even the air force guys don't know about even more probable. So, you know, it, it's interesting to me. I like to believe, I, I mean, as being an atheist and, and not thinking of any big higher power and thinking I'm just a small flea on the ass of the universe, which I totally believe I am, that nobody's watching my dreams or me masturbate or anything I really say online to <laughs> judge me to go to heaven or hell. You know, like I, I just make the choice to be a decent human mammal uh, instead of a piece of shit. Uh, but, you know, to to have that, I like to think that, we're so small. There's uh, just like star Wars, hundreds of thousands of races. And we act like we're so goddamn superior and we got to figure it out. We're the first ones. Dude, we're baby shit in our pants compared to other races that are out there that do flybys on us. And, you know, even if me as an atheist, the Anunnaki origin story makes a thousand times more sense when you apply it to Bible literature than anything else does uh, at this point, dude. It is crazy. And to think about just some other conspiracies and just randomly I was watching uh, Netflix, The Devil Next Door, which is another He's like great. nasty thing. He's great. With, yeah, Ivan with, uh, the Terrible. Yeah, that, yeah, that's another one. It's like, wait a second. So you let this guy move, you know, live in the country knowing, kind of basically knowing who he was or assuming you kind of knew who he was, where he was from, you knew his whole history. And then all of a sudden they had a problem with it. It's just crazy. It's like, you knew all these people were here. You brought them here. You let them here. And he's living in Cleveland, Ohio. That kind of also shows a transfer of power. Like to me, there's a story there that's not being told. And this is where I love the conspiracy horseman side of things because we can stop and wiggle with it for a minute. And uh, it's just, all right, they brought him over here, Werner von Braun era. And he gets in and he's just a hardworking dude. Like a lot of guys in that plant where they like you heard the testimony of guys mm-hmm. of these European dudes just came over, did their time like it was in prison, shut the fuck up and went home because they know if they opened their mouth or drew attention, shit might go down. And I'm sure they got warned that way too, right? Not trying to put over what they did or that they shouldn't be persecuted or what have you, but that's the deal that was made with the CIA, FBI, the US government and them. For some reason they didn't go after them. When did they go after him? Late 70s, early 80s, they started picking these guys off during Cold War era when some transfer of power shift in the U.S. government where we became beholden to Israel and the Mossad and started working with them, which this will also tie into 9-11 later. So mm-hmm. there, there's some shift of power there where the Mossad is emboldened and, and, people, and they know these guys are there and now they're going to start picking them off. You know, because it's much like our nine 11 PTSD. Did we, did you see bin Laden get thrown over the boat side? No, that, that did you thing. see, did uh, you see uh, Abu Baghdadi get blown himself up or any evidence of that yet? Nope. So, so how do you know any of that happened? It definitely didn't. And with, well, I'm not lot. saying it definitely did or didn't, but, yeah, we you don't know, know here. Yep. Yeah, right. So you just got to take it on faith of a government that's been lying to you since Hitler escaped. Oh yeah. I, I get that. But now, now I'm going to fucking believe you, bro. 
Yeah, wrestling's fake as fuck. I don't believe wrestling's real at all. Oh, here's a match. Oh, oh now it's real. Now it's real. Now I believe. Who's going to be a mark? Yep. But that's people's PTSD that they don't want to have to look in the mirror and, and get past that eighth grade conditioning. But once they do, man, it's scary, but your mind is open to looking at things in so many different ways and, and accepting it. And that's what me and the conspiracy horsemen live life as every day, man. It, it, it sucks and it's frustrating because you're trapped in a matrix when you go to the store with the lady with the screaming kids who's only talking about the masked singer and her daughter at cheerleading practice. Like nothing makes me want to take a bottle and cut my face open more than that kind of scenario, you know, <laughs> like, yep. you, you know, like, like just start gigging myself, Terry Funk, that match style. Like, <laughs> but uh, it, it's just like, those are the people we have to be in this world with and their circle of influence and their circle of life is so much smaller than mine, yours, Shane Douglas's, his circle is much bigger than ours. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the highs and lows of the highs and lows of your life and my life are going to be far more extreme, but we're going to live and we're going to do what that word is live in life. That lady that I just explained, and there's thousands of them, millions of them out there, their circle of life is so small. Their highs and lows extremes are so close together and their influence on the planet is really less than nothing than a consumer, but they are the ones with this thought that God chose them and they're the blessed ones and they can look down upon others and they go and give money to organizations and they sing these sacred hymns to get a shot of dopamine in their own head and they act like they love their brother. But as soon as the car door closes, they're saying motherfucker. Sarah and her new hat and whatever else is going on. Right. So like, I just don't want to be affiliated with that kind of mental entrapment in my life anymore. And, and I'm, I'm trying to, it's not my mission to go and break people out of it, but I watched a lot of Christopher Hitchens videos definitely swayed me in one direction of, of a lot of ways. And, you know, people, Ricky Gervais to Penn and Teller, to a lot of other actors, uh, uh, you know, obviously, um, George Carlin, you know, there, there's just once, once you're in that mindset and you're, you're studying those masters, there's no going back. And I'm a huge Wu-Tang fan. So I studied the Rizzer as a producer, uh, you know, I'm just blown away by him, but here he quotes nation of Islam and Muslim stuff a lot, but he also quotes mafia Wu Gambino stuff. And then he also quotes, the I Ching manual and Jay Kundo and Bruce Lee and the Tao of Jay Kundo and, and, and Buddhism. And then he quotes the Mahabharata, uh, you know, uh, of Indian knowledge and wisdom. And I'd rather be in that mindset, taking a little bit from here and there, trying to find a universal truth instead of blind, instead of blindly dedicating myself to a sheep following and saying, yeah, because what that dude over there told me, I, I believe it now because everybody else believed it. That's, that's not what I'm about. That's, that's a Mark shit, man, to me. 
Hey, let's pause one second to tell you all about the benefits of using Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom with a little help from the Triple Threat Podcast and the two-man power trip. So listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as any other pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, if you know anything about our show, we've always got to be ready. But with Blue Chew, if you can benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, then Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code FRANCHISE and just pay $5 shipping. Again, use the promo code FRANCHISE and pay just $5 shipping. Again, it's bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Use the promo code FRANCHISE and try it for free, courtesy of your friends over at the two-man power trip of wrestling and the Triple Threat Podcast. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. Going kind of back to Bin Laden and stuff, we, we really don't know, right, what happened all this stuff. I don't know if you have gotten into it or you believe in the, the Timothy Osman stuff and like all that kind of conspiracy which even goes even further yeah i mean uh, it's all <laughs> it's all rabbit holes right every and it, even with the bin laden stuff you can follow up with seal team six and when mm-hmm. they got taken down dude that was all against protocol they were on chinook helicopters more guys uh, all grouped together when they fly they fly separately on blackhawks in smaller teams, so in case something like that happens, they cannot be targeted, or only if a small part of the team goes down, they can continue to carry out their mission. This was out of totally out of protocol, and they were flown right into a Turkish triangulated chute. And this shit gets swept under the rug, man. People have already they don't even think about SEAL Team Six when they think about the Bin Laden shit, the post stuff. What is that? That's getting rid of the guys that you made the false story about, and fucking. So dead men tell no tale. They can't come out and whistleblow against you. That the who, who's to say? I mean, you want to talk Bin Laden? Look at the leader of Pakistan who was ousted when she came back and was about to take over, and said that Bin Laden's been dead since 2002 when he was assassinated, mm-hmm. died of kidney failure. And then what happened to her? She gets shot in the head two months later while she's out campaigning and taken out. Right? But we have the Bin Laden boogeyman for another six years with lookalikes where facial recognition say this isn't even right and things don't line up here with the same three video clips with him cut in and then al-qaeda on the monkey bars and jumping out of the fucking foxhole like all that is is operant conditioning i mean anybody who's gone to undergrad college knows psych 101 with this shit and it's operation mockingbird you can look it up it's trauma-based mind control in the masses to control and break somebody like they did with MK ultra, which is in all of these shows from, uh, stranger things, you know, it's operation monarch. When you see the butterflies and stuff, all this is MK ultra to Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Now they've done it to them, to the world on a mass level. Cause to break somebody's spirit to get them to follow you blindly, like they did after nine 11 with the Patriot act, which is already written long before nine 11, you have to have a trauma based mind control. So, it's an unthinkable thing that 3,000 Americans would be sacrificed to hide bank records and to get rid of trillions of dollars 
and to enact a total spy state and, and media state and media control and globalization control. No, like if you were to say that in 2000 in the locker room or wherever it was, you're like, shut the fuck up, you tinfoil hat wearing cocksucker. But three, three years after that, I'm sitting there screaming it on, you know, the street corners in Chicago sometimes. And I, and two years after that, I'm saying, fuck, I'm going to wrestling. And I developed the Ben Hameen character because every day they're saying insurgency on TV. There's two other Arab guys in the crowd learning their craft. We put us, <clears throat> they put us together and we become the insurgency, man. And we're off to the races where I get to say what's on Fox News or what George Bush says. And gas prices go from 225 to 475. No one's still explained that one, have they? Mm. How, how did that happen, right? And mm-hmm. where's the bank scam on that? And and I'm just saying, yes, you infidels will bow before me. I'll raise your gas prices. Another dime next week, morons. Oh, fuck you, you son of a bitch, you camel humping motherfucker. <laughs> and, and they're getting their they're getting their PTSD out. And then George Bush does something and I just come out and say, Yes, I told you morons, and then gas goes up a quarter. Bro, I, I'm getting chased out of these fucking redneck towns, you know? And, and it's just telling that these people even the rednecks who are so loyal know what's going on in their subconscious. They know they're being lied to and they have to put it over to swallow this pile of shit. Meanwhile, more and more and more civil liberties are taken, more GMOs, more media conglomerates, more of the big man corporatization, banker bailout, wall street, cash for clunkers, all this money stealing going on blatantly in front of you. Right. And people just keep eating that shit, eating that shit, and the pendulum swings farther and farther and farther and farther away. And then now it's going to swing back and back and back, just like it has to the annals of time. This is everything old is new again. Nothing is original. <laughs> hmm. So people are either going to learn from this shit. Like what kills me now with the race stuff that's going on in America. I'm a Gen Xer. I came up during 1991 to 96, the renaissance of hip hop, of, of club MTV, of, of, of interracial sex, of everybody can bang everybody because we're all into the same. We all love Snoop Dogg. We all love Nirvana. We all love weed. Like, <laughs> shut hmm. the fuck up with the racial divide. Do black people have a bitch about police brutality in the modern era? Absolutely. But they're not going to look back at Rodney King and the L.A. riots and what we did or didn't learn from that and fuck the police and censorship and music and all that shit. That's just, you know, to quote Biggie, it was all a dream to these fucking kids. They don't even look back or understand that. So that's why I don't sell for when ACH goes off and he's got a legit beef, I could see where that kid's traumatized because of Ferguson and shit like that. And he's got a real racial legit beef. But then he cuts his own throat on social media. I'm not going to sell for any of that because I came up through a time where I go, I can see this as the work of the media, the of the government trying to divide us to keep us separated. When I've got tons and tons of uh, black brothers and sisters, MCs, friends who I talk to, with complete respect on a, on a total level. And we don't have any of this bullshit that's like fabricated for people at the coffee shops to like chat about and fucking divide themselves further. Cause I'm not affected by this mainstream shit. It's all a lie, man. So that's where I think you're going to see a movement come back because 
they've exposed their game too much. Nobody believes any of these motherfuckers anymore. And the realness of the underground, which is what I'm trying to support, is getting more and more in the forefront every day. ACH definitely didn't help himself out uh, at all with uh, a lot of the things he said. But what do you think about Cornette and, and obviously Jim Cornette, your former uh, OVW mate there, former OVW yeah. leader. What do you think about him getting kind of booted from the NWA, although it says that he resigned, he, he quit. But what you know, what's your take on that whole scenario? Well, I mean, there's a couple things here, right? Um he, he is who he is, and I'm not trying to stick up for what he said or anything like that or give him a pass on it because, hey, I don't need that headache, and, B, I don't really give a fuck, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> um, I know why they brought him in for the nostalgia, and it was the right move, but you're playing with fire there because you're not – let me ask you this. You know a lot of 70-year-olds you can go up and, and, and change their mind about things and make them do new things and think a new way? No well, then there you fucking go, right? <laughs> so you know what you're getting. And uh, so it, it, I love the sound. I love the nostalgia feel. I, he obviously is a, a walking wrestling, you know, encyclopedia, library, you know, not even encyclopedia set, a library of wrestling knowledge. And uh, it, it was great to hear that. But so the, the stuff comes with, and now here's the conspiracy horseman side. I talked about this on some of our shows this week. So we got to take a look at it. Oh, man. <laughs> the timeline of things doesn't add up to me. So this thing with Cornette in NWA power dropping where he's got the chicken joke with the Egypt stuff or uh, Ethiopia stuff in it is what cuts his throat. But that's strike three, right? Because five, six days before that, a video with a voiceover from a decade ago comes out where he drops the N-bomb four times while he's talking to the boys in a closed session. Uh, I think it was like a, a seminar or something. Not excusing it, just saying, here's the timeline. Four weeks before that, in October, some indie goof does something stupid and somebody, you know, snitch tags Cornette and he tells the fucker and dude to hang himself. Just being an extreme, like, oh, you dumb fucker, go hang yourself. Like, not, you better go hang yourself, anything like that. But here come the SJWs because they know they can do cancel culture on them. And it's not the most egregious one, but okay. So that was strike one back in October. Now, Here's the weird part. These shows were taped back in September. Mm-hmm. How did this comment, how did this commentary make it through quality control unscathed it to be put out there? And right before it does come strike two out of nowhere on an account that really doesn't have anything to do with, you know, anything else of like doing that. And, and this is just a conspiracy horse inside of me. That, that to me, as a worker, I look like somebody set that up to put Cornette out as strike two, and they left that in there as strike three to cut his throat, like I was explaining earlier, how you got to be an assassin in this shit. Now, that dwindle, if that's true, that's all hypothetical and, and alleged from Ben on me and possibility, just looking at it as how I look at conspiracies. I could see Cornette looking at some office guys there going, fuck that guy. He doesn't know about NWA and how to do things. Why would I take direction from him? Or one of those guys being just paranoid thinking Cornette's going to do that. And he's got heat from him with the past and he sets him up. Now that begs a whole nother question. 
you're going to set up a guy to get him off your show with an SJW throat cut in public at the expense of NWA's launch. Again, all hypothetical. So you're going to black eye your product for some wrestling politics, possibly. Now we're talking about a much bigger problem, (laughs) you know, of having your team in the right spot and all that kind of shit. So all that could be coincidence, but in the conspiracy world, we say there's no such thing as coincidence. And that timeline of those two last two clips coming out is strike two, loan away, strike three, high and inside, <laughs> you're out, uh, is, is interesting to me. It's interesting is, to me. That is such a great point, and that is such a kind of crazy thing that it was taped in September. Uh, Dave Lagana edited the show, put together – you know, probably went over it three or four times. He says he always goes in and changes things and changes his mind. So he must have heard it a few times and never thought anything of it and never edited how about, it out. Like, how about now let's talk conspiracy and let's talk high level. What if that's not the cut that everybody else heard, but that's the cut that got uploaded to TV oh. or to, to YouTube? Yeah. What yep. if Billy never heard that? Yep. That's another. This is all hypothetical. Man. I'm just right. saying. Could it could it be done? Absolutely, it could be done, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not naming names because there's plenty of guys, office guys or what have you. But if you know the history of people, you might want to look into patterns of behavior. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the funny thing is about that whole thing is 87, he says that joke. I mean, it's an old, old joke. Says it about Big Bubba Rogers. 1993, WWF says it about Bob Backlund. You know, you just go sure. through, and it's an old joke. I mean, it's a 30-something-year-old joke, but that, yeah, I get it, and I've heard the argument of, oh, you could have said he was uh, on a on a festival with a pizza going through Italy with Italians yeah. be pissed off, <laughs> right? <laughs> like so, like there's a ton of excuses to justify. That's why I say I'm not going to go to bat for the line because, a uh, I, I'm one of the most hot button uh, stereotypical racial characters in wrestling. So I'll say some shit that will bury that in a heartbeat and have plenty of times. And if anybody steps to me, I will tell them they can fuck off. My name's on the door. I own the platform. You're not going to cancel shit here. <laughs> so mm-hmm. unless you buy yep. iTunes, then you can then feel free. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, that that's just how the real talk is. So like I said, I'm not going to bat for the line because I come from improv with the work to handle anything. However, in 2019, as an executive producer, knowing the show I'm trying to put out there and knowing the response. And if I'm listening to it multiple times, that line is not going to be in there. Yeah, of course not. Yep. Okay. So that begs, that just begs the questions, man. And if it is all coincidence and it isn't that, then there's, strike one or strike two on some other people. You know what I'm saying? Not just Cornette. Yeah, wouldn't the guy editing the show get in trouble? That That's the part I always thought that was weird. It's like, shouldn't Billy or somebody of, I know Lagana is, is a high-ranking executive, but he's the one that edits the show. So shouldn't someone above him say, well, you know, he's going to be reprimanded as well if Cornette gets in trouble for it? I mean, uh, <laughs> it's not it's not for me to to be handing out punishments. How I would do things, you know, uh, I would I would never. This is just me speaking. I would never sacrifice a quality of one of my shows uh, as an fu to somebody else 
Mm. There's plenty of other ways to handle that, uh, especially on something as genuine as a reboot and uh, as as character driven as NWA is here. Uh, this is you know people are just waiting for you to fail and fuck up in every form of of entertainment. I see comedians. They can't wait for somebody who gets over that they love and came up with. They're pumped for them, but they can't wait to see them fall, uh, you know, over some shit. And uh, like that, that uh, Saturday Night Live shit, the kid got cast and he was fired within 36 hours. He didn't even do anything. And they just, there was people researching his podcast, you know, Mm, like crazy. Maybe, maybe he never should have got the shot. I know people a lot better than him possibly, but that's who they wanted to cast on their show in a new Adam Sandler-esque guitar guy way. I get it. But because of people's jealousy, it had nothing to do with that guy being too controversial. What he said wasn't really shit anyway. Like, but they knew they could get him because fuck you. Why should he get a shot? And I don't. And there's so much of that in this world that that's why I build my own thing. You can't rely on anybody else. You have to be a self-made hustler because once you are and you get it to a certain point you have ownership and and you know you can see the angles coming because otherwise you're just dancing for somebody else's dollar man now i can't take credit for this i think i saw it i don't remember if it was twitter or facebook but i saw somebody said like controversy creates cash nwa power was trending and people were like interested in that show after it kind of tapered off a little bit from the original airing, which was I think 700,000 downloads or something, or, you know, whatever views on YouTube was great. I don't know if you subscribe to that, but is there any possible way that they literally kind of let that out on purpose? Cause they're trying to drum up some interest back in the show. Cause you know, the old Bischoff thing, controversy creates cash. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love the Bischoff quote. I absolutely do. But that is, the controversy creating cash is the aftermath of this, of, of keeping it in the conversation. We're talking about it right now and it's, it's going to generate interest, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we're little gossip Queens and that's what we yeah. love in this fucking business <laughs> on the side. So, you know, take onus for it. All of you out there acting like you're over when you're nothing more than a little tattletale girl yourself, snitch taggers. Uh, <laughs> but you, you got to get the most mileage out of it. Sure. But I don't believe with the legacy of NWA just to pop a YouTube rating. And I like where you're going allegedly. I'm not trying to, you know, <laughs> down what you're putting out there. Uh, you know, that they, it doesn't, the math doesn't work out to me that they would get rid of corn. They would collude to say, let's cut Cornette's throat because it's going to get eyes back on the product. And we want to get rid of them anyway. So we might as well do that. And, uh, and off we go. Now, What's the other part we're not hearing here is Cornette coming out doing a crowing with Cornette right here in the wake of it. So is there a non-disclosure agreement? Was there Cornette saying, fuck you, pay me the rest of my contract uh, and I'll shut up? Or is it our Cornette just pretty much uh, (laughs) putting the final touches on his nuclear bomb that he's about to drop (laughs) in the next 36 hours? Like which one of those is coming, you know, so or is happening? I'm not sure. Oh, I have a feeling it's coming. He uh, He's a hard man to keep quiet, and you know him quite well from the OVW days. What was that well, like? Kind of well, I'll that. tell you, I can't, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't. I don't know him well because he was there, 
And right when I got there, he left three weeks before that because of the Santino Morello slap uh, gimmick. Uh, You know, I I had just started visiting and he was there, but I wasn't allowed in the locker room, obviously, which I should not have been anyway. And then I left and like in that weeks that I wasn't there, the slap happened. And then I stopped coming for a couple months just as I was visiting. And then Santino, I came that week that he went to Italy <laughs> and kind of, you know, took his spot in the fold of the crew there. And he was over and we were so pumped for him. You know, the, yeah, I have to see him do Boris Alexiev and Mr. Stronko and just showing how important character is. I was so pumped for that, uh, for him. And, and now with his battle art stuff, uh, being partnered with impact and his gym in, uh, in Mississauga, Ontario is just awesome place to work out. I love getting a, a workout in there in session. Um, but you know, Cornell was gone. So Al was in charge, Al Snow with Danny Davis. And, and then Al was getting other gigs to agent and roadkill, uh, kind of got the pen. And then fortunately Danny's father passed away and, uh, some things didn't work out with roadkill. And then I was given, um, co-booking with Adam revolver and Ted McNailer and Martin Evans, uh, we had the student show. So we came up under Rip Rogers and Al, you know, going to every show, working all the six flag shows, all the house shows, set up the ring and training with Rip three days a week. And then I ran the student shows and the promos, getting people ready for TV, like Rick Victor, Serena Deeb, you know, uh, meanwhile, ODB and, and uh, Beth Phoenix and Vladimir Kozlov and, and, you know, Punk would come back or whatever. Those were like the heavy hitters. There's plenty of others in there, Dolph Ziggler, Mike Mondo, and, and Mondo's a through-and-through Cornette guy, absolutely, and, and one of my best friends. But, uh, you know, then when I left <laughs> in 2009 to kind of go pursue my own thing, uh, Cornette comes back. So we've always been two ships passing in the night, and I would have loved to learn from him, but learning from Rip and being so uh, close to Kenny Bowen in those two to three years – it's pretty much the same mentality to the same, Hey, you fat cocksucker, go get on the treadmill. Cause you look like shit, <laughs> you know, or go hang yourself or get the fuck out of my ring. That, that Mickey from Rocky old school trainer mentality with Southern psychology and being, you know, the Mecca for wrestling, like where all styles are going to come to be learned and you're going to know how to sell and you're going to know how to work for TV and you're going to wrestle three, four days a week and be on the road. And you're going to pay on your own dime to be there. And if you show and prove yourself, you can become head writer or you can become crime time, or you can become Santino Morello, or you can become Serena Deeb. Like that, that's what hard work and putting yourself in a place where the best will thrive. Same thing I did in Chicago. I went to improv Olympic in second city and I put in six years there to get, the respect of my peers and sharpen my swords to take that to wrestling. And now I get to take all of that and do master shoot theater with Stevie Richards and Vince Russo. And when Russo sees it, it's like magic being created in front of him. He, he understands it and he, he appreciates it and he loves it, but he, he still doesn't get it fully how, how it can happen. So to, for me, that's a huge payoff in my creative 20 year career of like, I've sacrificed a lot. I've lived in a lot of shitty apartments and (laughs) ate a lot of small meals. I've also thrived and I've gotten to 
be alongside Saturday Night Live greats and, and WWE legends and be in the ring with everyone from Roddy Piper to Hacksaw to Slaughter. And this spring, uh, you know, knock on wood, they're still alive, uh, Tony Atlas and the Patriots. So <laughs> it, it's just crazy uh, what, if you stick with it, when you finally become an overnight success, it usually takes about 13 years <laughs> wow. of, of hard work, you know. And kind of going back to Master Street Theater for a second, I just yeah. love it. I mean, it's just so funny. Yeah. Stevie right. is Stevie's a great straight man, but you as as this, uh, so funny. I, I love when you know you kind of start off and you're randomly just singing some stupid song. Yeah. <laughs> and just, doo, 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 going along in the locker yeah. room. Uh, it's just so funny. Where did you kind of come up with Vince? I mean, obviously you're you're just kind of making fun of Vince McMahon, but you got to practice that. You, you sound, you got all those man- mannerisms, you got his voice down, you got everything. How does that kind of come to you? Like you just see him, you're like, man, I just want to imitate this guy. I mean, it's just so goddamn funny <laughs> the way he acts. Well, I mean, like you know, I've been a lifelong fan. So, in the Monday Night Wars, I missed nothing. I would tape Nitro, watch Raw, stay up to watch ECW, whatever it was. Go back and watch the VHS of Nitro in the last hour. So I've seen everything he's done. I've seen his entire lexicon since I was eight years old. And as a comedian uh, and an improviser. It's up to me to be able to do thousands of characters, whether it's Ben Hameen or impersonating anybody, you know. So once you learn how to listen to the music of somebody's voice and, and cadences, and I love hip hop, so I listen to cadence and leave things broken down. Uh, he's in my vocal range, and it's just it's just finding it and doing some impersonations. I would do it for my buddies like back in the day, like everyone would do. Yeah, Austin, you're fired. <laughs> and so it's, it's how raspy you can get. And then Vince would become a parody of himself, and he'd be like, "How Vince did a great job of showing how to take something. Holy shit, the volume on that is at level nine out of ten. Oh, you think that goes to level ten? Let me show you how to take it to level twelve. You know, and like just get really like." crazy with it and let it take over your body now in improv there's a uh, an actual exercise which they probably changed the name it was not as pc anymore but it was called big game nerd and i would uh, and and it's it's not about anything about being uh homosexual or anything like that but you know we that feeling that i call gay of like imagine you're just jumping around the room making fart noises and you're a 40 year old but you're pretending you're doing you know some ballerina dance while you're making crazy barking noises. If you can do that and feel comfortable or uncomfortable and then turn the volume up even more on that, well, that's the Vince McMahon strut. That's the, you know, him dancing and oh yeah, or him getting vindictive. Like that's just putting the energy into it and committing to the bit. So there's, I do that with a lot of my performers. You have to get them in a very uncomfortable space and then Del Close, the father of improv, would say you have to follow the feel fear and if it feels weird do it more and then if you're doing it and i look at you and i start doing it and then there's somebody else over there and they're looking at us and they start doing it well anybody else not doing it now they're the weird ones it's the it's the adam sandler it saves the kid in in, in the movie Hey, I peed my pants too. Everybody's peeing their pants. It's the coolest. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that—that's—that's what—that's what it is. So we play the game. We find the game. We play it out. So with Vince, 
I can do his lines or just do a call. Yeah, look at these grapefruits, pal. Or I'm going to do a structure piece, which I'm going to do as a longer piece. Every time I, the scene opens, what am I doing? Laughing. You said, well, kind of, kind of singing and, and walking. Yeah, walking I do a little yeah. song parody. Yeah. I let it be what you want it to be in your head. We had just had this shit segment on SmackDown. So this week I did, who let the dogs out? Yeah, pal. Yeah, it was Vince. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, pal. You know, like Vince can be happy. Like things are terrible burning down around him. It's funnier if he thinks everything is fine. Like he's yes. totally yeah. oblivious and has yep. the blinders on, which is probably true because he's surrounded by yes men. So why would he not? So, uh, but he knows the truth of the masters he's beholden to. And he, he's never going to let any writer catch him slipping up. You know what I mean? He's always going to have a way to convince himself out of it. So I try and listen to what Stevie's saying actively. Nothing is pre-planned. I, I, I just pull from what our conversation was on the Ron Smackdown review or the early conversations there. And that's what we kind of go off of. And in improv, when we're doing a group Herald, which is a, a Chicago long form, after we get our suggestion from the crowd, we get one suggestion. The group comes together and does this kind of a run of weird things, of scenes that are very fast or, or character monologues. We all build a machine or we, we all add a little bit and we flush out some themes that we're going to touch on in the scenes later. And in that early part where the Raw and SmackDown review is happening or where Stevie kind of lays out a little, not a lot of plot, but a scenario of what's going on. Um, I'm listening to all of that and I've already picked my themes and they don't know it, see it, but I've been actively listening the whole time. So when I do a callback to an audience member who's listened to our whole show, that has a psychological effect because they were as much a part of the show and now they're in master shoot theater in the improv and a callback. And I try to do callbacks the weeks before because all of those details are there. And all I have to do is go up, like one guitar string or a harp string and pluck that and it resonates with people who've been following for the long term. And if it goes over people's heads or a reference, I get this all the time and I've gotten it in my comedy since the early days. I can do a deep cut reference that is only for me. And I do it a lot. I, <laughs> I do it more than I should, but I've had people come up to me after shows where the, the line didn't lie flat, but it went over their heads and it got somebody in the back of the room right in the fucking face. And it cut to something where we have a shared communication, a shared bond, a shared experience. We, even though we've never met because we're two humans on earth and we watch the same TV show or it's some obscure Wu Tang line, or it's, you know, something that nobody would have known, but that dude got it or that girl got it. I've had that happen to me probably two, three dozen times. And they come, they go, that was the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard everybody in here is an idiot because they didn't get how great of a joke that was. And I do my, and, and this is another tenant of improv is to play to the height of your intelligence or your character's intelligence. So even your character's a fool or your character's Vince, he has to, he has an intelligence he has to play to, but I also put my own intelligence in there. And when I can hit one of those, dude, that's my, that's my grand slam of creativity because that I know I'm operating on a level where I can connect with a complete stranger on a very high level. And it's very satisfying to me as an artist. And you do it so well. It's, I mean, it's just excellent to, to see your personation. <laughs> the little one-liners like, 
if you ever listen to Vince, he always, for whatever reason, says pal. And, like, you know, you just the oh, little yeah. nuances, you, you nail them. I, I, I love that. <laughs> Thank you, man. I pre- well, that's, that's dedication to playing it to as true but as satirical as I possibly can because truth and comedy is a big part of what we're taught there in Chicago because if you're doing something that's phony, we see it in wrestling. If it's, if it's phony as Lana and Rusev, you can see right through it, can't you? So, mm-hmm. yeah. so, so why, if we know it's going to be phony, let's play it as real as possible because the, the comedy is in the reality of the scene, not making and forcing a badum ching line. That's, the funny lines will present themselves in the situation. If you try and get too plot heavy and predicated, you'll never be able to play in the moment, which is absolutely where all great actors and improvisers want to play because that's where you really connect and the audience sees the magic and they see the danger of what you're doing. Because at any time this thing could go sideways and suck. (laughs) It's very dangerous way to like perform. But once you're a professional improviser, no script ever makes you fear again, because I can do that 20 different ways and get it over 20 different ways. You're going to like it one way specifically, but I'll give you a bunch, you know, but when it comes to getting Vince McMahon and all the pal stuff dialed in, that just becomes the persona. And it just, it just comes out of you of once you're in the zone, it's just going to be part of the whole character, man. It just comes out. And I love that John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, kind of revealed that he loves to say good shit. So now it's like another good yeah. shit, good shit, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, good shit, pal. I like that. All right, yeah. Because he is saying that. He's saying that shit all the time, dude. Where's Brucey? Yeah, get in there, pal. Yeah, looking good, pal. You drop a couple? All right. No, I'm just kidding. You're still fat. Like, <laughs> all, like the, the, the reality, I listen to Conan and Disco. I'm sure you do. Yep. And you, did you hear the story of Vince... That that Ray stooge to Conan that Vince was calling guys pepper bellies like uh, about they couldn't have a pepper belly being champ when they wanted to strap Ray for the first time back in the day. Everybody in the they had to have like a vote in the writers room who wants Ray to be champ because Vince was like no way and everybody raised their hand and was like all right and I, it could be the same shit with Kofi right like, yeah, yeah pepper bellies a champ or whatever one of these pepper bellies like so. Is there racist shit going on? Sure, there has been for years, but like people want to hold Cornette's feet to the fire. What if they got Vince on? on t- I mean, Vince come right up. Hey, man, bomb! Like you know, right, right <laughs> on camera. Where's, where's that accountability, D? You won't because he'll Vince it on you. He'll turn around and how dare you, Bob Costas? You don't have respect to me. Like he's just gonna try and big league. So. You know, he's just got a, a, a bark and a bite and the money to back it up. But now he's out of touch with the streets and he needs to be corrected. And unfortunately, and everything we're doing or have tried to do is for the good of the wrestling community and the product, not for the good of Vince Russo, Stevie Richards, and Ben Hameen. Uh, we hate seeing this thing at such a low level and we only wanted to get back to enjoyability laughs bro did you see this last night no i didn't know oh, man you got to see it people bringing it up on their phone trending for the right reasons not because they tell you you have to like the man or you have to like these little catchphrases like i want to see organic real things man and we're so so far away from that right now uh, it's 
it, it hurts our hearts to, to see that. With Vince Russo, and you kind of saying that Vince McMahon's out of touch, the last time, which is 20-plus years ago, that he was really out of touch, it was Russo that kind of got him to change his ways, got in his ears. We saw the real kind of birth of the Attitude Era with Russo and Ferrara writing. Do you think that there's somebody out there to get in McMahon's ear again, or is that just one of those things that that's never going to happen? He's set in his ways at this point. Um, well, I mean, it's never say never, right? Absolutely. And I can bring you up to speed on some of the things. And then there's a lot of things that I couldn't mention at all just because, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, uh, how I am in the packing order. It's not my place to be talking about some certain things. So there is a whole, uh, you know, hour long podcast with Stevie and, and I up on my YouTube, Ben Hameen, easy to find where we talk about a meeting we had with Fox oh, yeah. uh, back in yep. June, on yep. June 12th. Um, so we have gone to Fox and kind of got end around it, uh, where they asked, asked me flat out to write a, uh, proposal, uh, for us to be, uh, script, uh, you know, advisors or the services we would provide. And we sent it to them and, uh, it seemed to be okay. All right, here, we'll, we're going to see which way we want to go. And then two weeks later, <laughs> they hired Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman. So that's the way they wanted to go, or were convinced to go. And, uh, you know, I didn't dox the producer of his name or put anything out there. And <clears throat> we know how the thing with Bischoff ended up. So history repeats itself in step one where Bischoff is there and Bruce cuts his throat and Bruce takes over. So now we have Bruce and Heyman. Now, the next part of history will be Triple H cutting Bruce's throat to bring back Stephanie and him. Yep. And that will be the exact pattern that happened before. Yep. And that got us to the shit point that wrestling is now. And uh, so we get to that point and we check back in with them and they're just kind of like, yeah, you know, they were like, we're just looking for some positive solutions. And we were, we, I was like, oh, so Bruce and, and Bischoff are your positive solution. Okay. And then I think I'm dealing with like what would be a 38 to 40 year old, maybe exec who's a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I checked him out and then, uh, I see, I see after the hell in the cell debacle dog shit finish, which no one obviously pumped the brakes on or locked Vince in the closet and said, we're not doing this. Uh, <laughs> they put the belt on him in Saudi Arabia where it matters the least. And then Jacob Allman, the Fox executive, who was not doxxed, is posting a picture from the control room with the fiend. Not Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt, the fiend. So if 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 the guy who's in charge of Fox is marking out to take selfies with the fiend, to bury the business, but he wants to, he's also pissed about the big dog segment this week, opening the show. I'm sorry. You kind of don't have a foot to stand on of, I care about the show now because you had to get your mark out moment that you knew was going to hit the sheets with you and the fiend to get yourself over. That's no different than Tony Khan wanting to be a wrestler and not be one and just want to be one of the boys. And now they've paid a billion dollars for one of the worst shows on TV this week. So 
that's what you get when you don't protect your business, when you can get worked by the McMahons and the Saudis, that the McMahons will say F you to Fox because the Saudis now control wrestling because their money is bigger. And because Jacob Allman has exposed himself as a dude who will pop for simple things. What happened on their other Fox show? They went from 482,000 to 49,000 in one week with the debut of the almighty Ryan Satin, the sheet writer, <laughs> Mr. Credibility himself, who they all marked out for because they're all TMZ Hollywood marks, right? So the show loses 270% of its audience in one week. Jacob Allman scrambles and throws down crazy money to bring back CM Punk in the face of Triple H and them. And then they go up, they, they come out to brag this week. The show increased 80% with CM Punk on. Oh, but we didn't tell you that it went down 270% the week before. So really, we're only down 100 and what is that, 190% from three <laughs> weeks ago? Yeah. So, yeah. like, they can try and juice the numbers any way they want. But bad creative and yes men and not wanting to look in the mirror and say, I need help. Who will help me? Uh, I, I really need to humble myself and find the right creative people. Nope. It's, I cannot be told any different. I am infallible and I will surround myself with more people who tell me I am infallible and the audience. Yes. They will eat what I give them because they were, aren't going anywhere. Well, guess what? They are. They're going to Disney plus. Some mm-hmm. are going to AEW and the rest are just saying, fuck this dumb shit. I'm tired of having my intelligence insulted. I'm tired of, of hoping to see two minutes of brilliance in a three hour show. And that's all I get. Like, no, thank you. And the stock price was juked. It, it's all, it was all a lie. It went up and now it's, flatlined again and i expect in the next two quarters with network subs dropping and ratings dropping your stock price is going to be bottom out mid 40s low 40s definitely and it's kind of trending down was that i think it was 86 dollars or something at one point or yeah it was up at one it was yeah. up at 101 or something oh when God, they, I didn't realize that. and wow. that and that's when and now you want to talk about some serious stuff how about the sec because if this is a controlled and phony business, they know what's going on out months in advance and when the money's coming in so they can have projections. And then what did Vince, what did all the upper brass do? Took out millions when it was oh, at its yep, highest. Yep. And then multiple times, now it's back low. What are they going to do? They're probably going to spend money on XFL, but they're going to buy back shares at a rate low price, drive it back up again, they hope and then do that same snatch and grab again. Yep, right. You might say it's a publicly yep. traded company, but that's the only reason why it's a publicly traded company. So they can come in and because of the work and phonies of wrestling, juke the stats, which will in turn raise and fluctuate the stock price. They come rape and pillage and then they get out quick, dude. Yep. And, and they, they very well could be exposed for that. And you know what's so interesting about, you know, having a creative and this and that it's just so funny. I know Disco mentioned this too. So funny. The only writer that everyone rips on and says stinks is the most successful writer they ever had. It's just like, like and that's another thing where they're like, they're juking you and they're tricking you because they don't like them 
obviously he's talking about Russo. They don't like him, so they're going to trick you and say, oh, no, he's horrible, he's this, he's that. Well, it's weird looking back. Stone Cold Steve Austin loves him. Jericho loves him. Goldust loves him. You know, uh, Mick Foley loves the Rock, him. Oh, the, Rock the Rock loves, loves him. him. Yep. So, so, so who are you going to listen to? Who yeah. are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to Bruce Pritchard? How about this? Like, and Vince has told this story on the on, on uh, Master Shoot and some extra stuff here where he's in TNA, he's in Impact. He gets a job after he leaves WWE and, and WCW closes because he can't go back there. And there's playing with Bischoff on that story too, but Bruce's wife dying of cancer, right? And he doesn't mm-hmm. have a job. Vince brings him in. Three days later, he uh, Bruce is now Vince's boss because Bruce has to come in and get in their ear and be a scumbag and cut throat instead of being a part of the team and standing alongside Vince saying, Vince, thank you. What can I do? These are the levels of scumbags you're dealing with who that people are taking their word about somebody else. Judge a man by his actions. Okay. And and you'll see when when it stacks up, who is, who is the more, and coming from the atheist, who is the more righteous man? It's definitely not the guys that Vince McMahon is surrounding himself with, whether it was another throat cut plan to make Eric Bischoff move from Wyoming into a two bedroom uh, shit, uh, a way over expensive apartment in Stanford, just as payback. This is the vindictive scumbag side that people might laugh about or think about in wrestling or the marks might even just hear about a little but when you're in the middle of it and in, <laughs> when you're trying to do a, I won't say a coup d'etat on Vince McMahon via Fox because you're trying to save the business and their solution is to go deeper into the dog shit, what are you supposed to do? All we do is wash our hands of it. We sit back on the hill and we watch the whole village burn. And as, as people come out and go, please help us, maybe we'll put you out if you're on fire, if we like you. Some of you, I wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire, to be honest with you. So we'll go in there and the charred remains. We tried to save the village before it burned to the ground, but apparently they want complete scorched earth. And Bischoff, definitely a scapegoat for when the ratings decline after the first week, as you know that they're going to be a huge number and you know the Rock's going to be a part of it. So you know it's going to be great. And then you know, and they knew that it was going to dip. So oh, we need a scapegoat. Oh, Bischoff. And then boom. you want to talk who's on you want to talk who's on Russo's side. I mean, we even talk about this in that video. If you want to listen to the Fox thing, it was originally oh, uh, an email from Russo to Shane McMahon, and Shane, yes, yes. Was super, yep. super receptive, said you're you're exactly right. This is exactly what I mean, dude. Rewrite this email this way. Shane is telling Vince Russo how to rewrite the email to his father, so Vince will respond to it the right way. So this is the level of work that has to be done to even get in Vince's ear. His own son has to work his father, bro. (laughs) Okay. So, so that's what we're dealing with. So then it goes to, to Vince based off of Shane's letter and, or Shane's recommendation. And Russo gets back. uh, Thanks. THX from McMahon and senior. And, and, you know, so what are you supposed to do at that point? So then, you know, here comes Hacker Hamid. I do the legwork. I find out through business journals and Forbes articles and my own sleuthing of who is in the upper ranks. I drop the emails. I send out the feelers for Russo brand to get the meeting. I set it all up. We have the meeting and I told you the rest of the story. And now we are where we are. 
and there's other factors in play, major factors right now that I'm not going to stooge off here, but those yes men who are holding on to a job and not giving a shit about the business that they should be protecting, loving and saying, time out. We're not doing that because it's wrong. And I don't care if you claim that you're a genius, you're not hearing what is wrong with your product. No one in all of his yes men camps is stepping up to do that and say that or breaking through. So we're forced to go another way. And if those guys aren't going to do the right stuff, they're just going to keep going the wrong way until they do need us and uh, we'll be here. But as time ticks on, the price goes up. <laughs> so yep. That's just how it is, man. I just, I, and I keep thinking about it. It's just funny how, you know, people know Russo like, Oh yeah. The attitude error, the, uh, you know, the ratings were through the roof and stuff, but now they try to like knock them down and pretend like that wasn't like the most important error for the WWF and made them go public and all this other stuff Why? making money hand over fist. It's nuts. I don't get it. Why do you think people do that? I don't know either. I'm I'm saying you have an opinion. I, I, why do people continually at the bandwagon and do that shit? Uh, when they know every other fact is wrong. That, that To me, that's, I mean, I don't want to compare these two, but that's like saying 9-11 was an inside job. Shut up, conspiracy theorist. Like, that's, that's pretty much the wrestling equivalent in some cases, man, you know? Yeah. So uh, uh, they just don't want to hear it uh, or they want to bite on it because it's an easy thing. But to me, anybody who toes that line or says that shit is an ignorant motherfucker and nobody I'm going to listen to. And really I've been, I mean, so I don't really listen to many fucking marks to begin with. So <laughs> it, don't, it don't matter, man. That, that's just a $5 face slap to me, dude. <laughs> love the $5 face slap. It's a great gimmick. I love that. How did you, know, you kind of uh, get connected to Russo? You know, we were talking about Vince, but how do you actually get connected through, was it through Stevie? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, him and Stevie uh, worked together in, in Impact and WWE, and he just loved and saw and Stevie just, you know, a great performer and the, uh, a righteous human being in a sea of shitbags in wrestling, uh, you know, and I knew that the thing with Vito and him was kind of ending, and we had gotten word that he was looking for um, seasoned wrestling guys to join his brand, and you know, I said, Hey dude, we're already doing this little locker room thing. And this was in kind of the early days. And not that how media has been around for super long, but like when we were Steve and I were first starting to tag and, and getting our stroll on, on the Friday locker room, um, the veteran locker room. So we reached out and he's like, yeah, bro, I'd like to, you know, definitely try it out and see, but I can't promise it because I had already just sent uh, yesterday. I sent an email to Ryback and Pat Buck and I'm kind of waiting for them. And I guess they didn't get back or didn't think it was right for them at that time. And that opportunity, we just jumped at it. And since then, man, I mean, I feel like we had chemistry kind of day one. I, I had done a couple small spots with Russo on WrestleZone. And what's really, you know, magical for me, and I believe in patterns in this cosmic universe constantly all around us, that's improv. I'm trained to, to find them. But when, when I first started going to OVW or I was told to go to OVW, I was working at uh, Improv Olympic and uh, doing late night late show with uh, Jordan Kepler, who's on Comedy Central now. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, big time. And, and uh, Ed Ferraro was the uh, guest on that. And I was doing like, 
you know how Conan will have like side bits, you know, with dudes run in and do a little character bit or whatever. So I was doing that stuff and I did a Lucha thing that night and some other stuff, but just to be able to sit there with Ed Ferrara and and him not, didn't treat me like the mark that I was at all at the time. You know, I was, you know, pretty well out of my improv career so I could talk to him as a, uh, an artist on, on the same level, but I, I just put over everything I know. I knew his whole lexicon and he and I closed down improv Olympic. The show ended at 11. We closed it down at two, just drinking beers, recount everything. And he told me, he goes, dude, you have to go to OVW. You have to like, this is what's in you. You're you, like the comedy thing's great, but if this is what you really want to do, I think you have a shot. The business is going to be way hard on you, but you know, and then I went down and I, I went to a couple of rips practices and sat there and I went to TV and I was like, shit, I like, I got to try it because, you know, if I don't, I'm always going to say, what if I always wanted, my whole dream was to be the, the head writer at WWE, even when I was first starting out in comedy. So if I, if I can't get that now, because I'm too hot for TV because of my character or what have you, at least if I can sit there and make the greatest writer in WWE history, pop on a weekly basis and wow him what what verification do i need from the marks to say that ben hameen is or isn't good enough the only thing i'm i would like is the you know four hundred thousand dollar a year paycheck that'd be (laughs) that'd be nice but uh but right now because i don't have it it's driven me to build my own thing and i'm supremely uh grateful for for the fact of how many people have helped me um, through their own, uh, efforts of giving me time, production, uh, co-hosting, researching, street teaming, uh, sharing posts, following, like that shit is unbelievable to me. Uh, the momentum, uh, that we've all built together under the Hami media group brand and the opportunities that's affording other people to elevate and become personalities and, and things that we're doing now that I can't really talk about the deals we're trying to work on may bring young producers into a professional producer level. So I'm excited for everyone, dude. And and I, I look forward to doing more with franchise brand and your guys stuff and anything we can ever do to help you out. You know, we're, we're all on deck for that, man. It's all about the locker room. Yeah. We're all like basically on the same page. That's for sure. I want to ask you about Ed Ferrari. He kind of gets forgotten for whatever reason. Even yeah, he late. wants it that way. He wants yeah. it that way, bro. Uh, I've actually, uh, over the last couple of years, gotten pretty friendly with him. I actually took a couple uh, classes when he was up in uh, Jersey. Caught a, oh, uh, good. Taught a, taught a couple of writing classes. Man, he's yes. so smart. He's, he is so good at stuff. And it's funny, he's, he's at full sale. Do you think Triple H is going to knock on his door and say, hey, can you help us write? Nope. <laughs> I don't think so. Right. Right. And so that, that just shows you that they won't humble themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And isn't that a terrible way to live life? Like you think you, you think you've mastered everything. You can't humble yourself to say, Holy shit, I need somebody's help and I'm going to learn something from them and how to do it properly. Instead of just saying, no, I didn't, I, even though I got it wrong, my way still the best. Like that's such a terrible way to live life, dude. You know, and, and, and then you have to go out there and show the world, like, look, I do charity. Look, I do this. But the real character flaws in you have been shown through time and time again. Oh, I couldn't imagine being that kind of human being, dude. I never would want to be. Yep. So. And Triple H in, in an interview, I think actually Vince uh, played it on one of his shows. 
they're being forget where whoever Triple H is being interviewed by. They're talking about who used to write the show when it was so popular in the Attitude Era, and he's like, "Oh, Vince Russo and some other guy." Like he he wouldn't he would say it was Ed Ferrara. Like, he wouldn't say, so, "Oh, wow, I don't know if yeah. they have a serious heat there." I'm gonna yeah. ask Russo about that. I mean, I'm, yeah, I will. Weird. We'll get stooge on that. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like that to me, <laughs> if you got heat with Ferrara you're the problem, right? Like I said that about Sal. I like, like, I've never heard anybody say anything about that Ferrara. I'm like, fuck that guy. Like everything I've heard is Ferrara is a man, dude. So nice. So engaging, willing to answer any question, huge knowledge, great sci-fi mind, like fantasy mind, uh, author and, and self-published dude who likes funky haircuts and just living life as a bohemian, as an older dude, or you'll see him and he'll have his head shaved and it'll look like, a professor at a college, man. Like I, I, I remember when I met him the one time he looked like kind of like if the dude from corn was retired, like the lead singer. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. the next time, and the next time he was like a professional author ready to speak, you know? So I, I kind of love that shit that, that he can switch in and out of his gimmick like that. And, and now he's gone completely off the radar. Cause I was like, Hey man, uh, I'm doing ha 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 mean which is a, a series I've got six out now. Uh, I'm hoping to do three more here in the next couple of weeks. But I reached out to him. And I said, you know, I'd really love to do something uh, with you and Vince because this is my 30th year in performance. I, I haven't missed a year since I was 12 years old to perform professionally. So that would have been special to me, but I get it. He, he kind of let me down gently uh, and I appreciated that, but he's not doing anything like that right now. And I totally respect that, especially during this time where, you know, it'd be almost too much. If you're trying to stay out of the limelight, people are going to come knocking on your door real quick. So um, I I hope he's doing everything he wants to creatively. I hope all of his money from that attitude era uh, is uh, built a nice nest egg for him where he can just, say fuck wrestling <laughs> i want to do my art and i'm going to do what i like to do and inspire people man because without ed ferrara dropping that pebble in the pond and 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 putting the boot in my ass and i just and just saying to me what i needed to hear of yes you need to go do this there might not have been a bin i mean you know what i mean so that i'm i'm eternally grateful for that and then to come full circle and be working with his partner every week talking to russo every day Dude, I, I try not to ever mark out anymore for anything. Rizzer from Wu-Tang will be left the only thing I mark out for anymore when I meet him. But, like, that that to me is, like, my artistic journey is, is gone almost to where I could have imagined it before, you know, when it's the pipe dream of, oh, I'd love to be in the writer's room with Vince McMahon and Vince Russo. Well, I'm trying to help Vince McMahon uh, for his own good <laughs> because the, I can't get in any other way. And I'm doing it with Vince Russo. So, dude, how many people can say they've gotten that far in their dreams in life? I hope that I'm not trying to be like, this is what I've done. Praise me. But if, if, if you can, if I can do it with hustle and grind and putting myself in the right place, whether it's improv Olympic to me at Ferrara and, and, doing six years there to get my sword sharp to go to OBW and do another three there before I go to have a 10 year career in wrestling on the road. Well, that's a hell of a 13 year journey to come back to where I am now to be able to do master shoot theater and talk about it with you and work with franchise who I was in the crowd for for many shows and be on the mic with big Stevie cool, big Sal and GGP. Like 
that's just something uh, that I can't say how appreciative I am for that, man. So cool, that Ed Ferrara story. I mean, that's awesome. He kind of sets you off on an awesome path. And yeah. You're right, full yeah, circle with, uh, with Vince, with Russo. I mean, that that's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, in improv, we're taught to look for these patterns, whether they're even in one day in our life where you might see a number. I'm sure you've seen this. Like, I remember one day I saw the number 1111 uh, six different times in one day. And I recognize that pattern of it chasing me around. But I also recognize the the big pattern of 13 years in my 13th year from when I met. And you, we talk numerology too. But, uh, you know, when I met Ferrara to now I'm on with Russo, very close within one degree of separation of Vince McMahon. You know what I mean? So that 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 is a, a something that's not out of my purview that is cosmic and bigger than me but as an atheist i don't like to label it as the god so <laughs> I'll, yep. I'll call it something else you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely now but you got so much going on and, and there's you know, the Massachusetts theater you got bench you're doing this you're doing that is wrestling kind of going to be like actual in-ring is that something that that's going to be pushed back or or is that still going to be kind of a main focus it seems like you've got so much going on not outside of wrestling per se but outside of the wrestling ring yeah well i mean i'm a media maven man that's what i love and uh that's my that's my uh bread and butter and that's you know just something i i love to be able to have the opportunity to do when it comes to the ring there's no bigger drug <laughs> I love sitting here talking to you, but to hold that crowd in the palm of my hand and get that response from them, that that's what the, the platform's built on. So, you know, as I age, will things slow down? Maybe, but right now, <laughs> and older guys say this, it's easy for me to say I'm in the best shape of my career because I've been pretty much a fucking slob most of my career. <laughs> so with Stevie's help, uh, you know, in the last year I've dropped 50 pounds and, definitely stronger, faster. And my in-ring acumen has progressed greatly because of the amount I'm doing. Uh, tagging with Stevie, tagging with Papadon, uh, all the work I got to do in 2CW with Legends helped me progress greatly and how to work a crowd and not have to take bumps. You know, and I would work with Legends. I also work with the Bucks and, and Moose, you know what I mean? Uh, like plenty of, of opportunities that were just incredible there. And now I apply it in a different way, but like you said, I'm the the Middle Eastern champion at uh, Immortal Championship Wrestling. I'm defending that against Rick Recon, who was on NXT, who got knocked out by Shayna Baszler. So if he can get knocked out by a bitch, it should be easy for me to to take him out. You know, Uh, no no problems this weekend. Uh, But uh, so that, and then the weekend after that, uh, Border Town Pro, I'll be up there with Congo Kong, my other tag partner, and the infamous Jay Moore, as uh, he takes on Mike Elgin, and I'll probably beat the shit out of Mental Joe Pimental. That's one of my favorite things to do in the world. And then the weekend after that, uh, at Crossfire, uh, north of the border, too, a grudge fight, a grudge street match against uh, the owner, the, the pathetic Chris LaPlante, thinks he can come out of retirement as hockey pro, and he he, he was a wrestler, and now he, he quit. He wanted to be his events or whatever. I slapped him around. I said, you're, you're not in my league. And now he wants to come out and have a grudge fight. We're, we're going to do it. And uh, he's going to have a terrible Christmas. He's going to have to put everything in a blender and suck it down for Christmas. because He's not going to be able to chew on anything. 
because I'm just going to put the, I'm putting him in the Epsteiner recliner, set the hooks in, and I'm going to just rank on his face. And even if they ring the bell, I'm not going to let go until he's got Joker slashes in his mouth. So, I mean, that that's what he wanted to get into, and now he's going to feel the power of that. So the next three weekends, man, I'm on the road. Uh, so really wrestling isn't slowing down. Uh, GGP, I actually have to get uh, on with a promoter after this call because looks like the horseman may be headed to WrestleMania uh, that weekend if we can get the booking worked out. So we'll be down there, uh, indie show, WrestleMania weekend. Hopefully we can get a conspiracy horseman. Maybe I can even talk Russo into showing up. So there's a lot of, like, um, things in the air, man, that we're trying to get locked down for all these great brand members and Hameen soldiers that have uh, just brought us to this platform. It's just... Like I said, truly incredible, man. That is awesome. What do you kind of see? I always say it's like the DDP question because that's how years ago how he kind of phrased it. Like, where do you see yourself in five years kind of thing? Where do you kind of see your media platform and you? Or do you want to kind of maybe become the head writer of the WWE? Like, kind of where do you see yourself? Yeah, where I am in my age absolutely is kind of dictating how much time I want to spend in wrestling creatively anymore because here I am year 13 and I wrote a hundred episodes of OVW DCW, which was awesome and directed and, and, and coached. And, uh, and then to be a producer at two CW of all their digital media and, and DVDs and helping to be part of the brain trust uh, that way and booking things was great. And now I kind of get to book all my own business everywhere I go. So uh, I've been a lot luckier than other wrestlers, but that's because promoters know and respect my opinion because guys who bring me in usually hear me on podcasts. I, 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 got into Canada because of the infamous Jay Moore, uh, here in my opinions and on Russo and loving it. And, in that way, and, and Chris Envy brought me into dynasty because he's a conspiracy horseman guy and, and, and agrees fully and understands that I get it. And I'm going to protect the business and do the best I can for any place I go. And, you know, I don't have to do a ton of crazy shit. Uh, like my character gets over in his entrance <laughs> right away. Everybody's looking, you know? So, uh, that, that's just uh, a, a, a blessing to be able to to work with all these dudes and be able to handle my business and give them a better payoff than they kind of could. I'm kind of giving them promoter lessons while I'm working. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Love it. So, and you're always keeping yourself so busy. But please, once again, give us all your social media plugs and everything and, and you know, where they oh, can yeah. find the podcast and, and all that good stuff. No, there's so much to plug, man. So uh, if you just want to hop on the social media followings and you're on Twitter and Instagram, uh, it's at Ben underscore Hameen on Twitter and it's at Hacker Hameen on Instagram. Uh, you know, I usually live tweet most of the shows or I try and be as interactive as I can uh, with things uh, on my Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, I just try and put up good pics of, uh, you know, Hameen uh, in match or some $5 face slap stuff. Uh, but right now, the, the biggest thing is this ProWrestlingTees.com slash Ben sale uh, for the next 10 days at ProWrestlingTees.com for Black Friday. I just uploaded three brand new shirts. We've got a shirt from comic book artist Eric Kent, uh, and it's a knockoff of a X-Men cover, and it's just so awesome for the Conspiracy Horsemen. And then I did an NWA uh, cover knockoff um, 
for the Workers for Life shirt uh, of the Conspiracy Horseman, and then a uh, new uh, the Twin Terror shirt, kind of a '80s throwback WWF looking shirt of me and Congo Kong. So the, I, I've looked at other people's PWT stores, man, and I'm I'll bury Horace myself and the artists that give me art and the art that I create. My shirt, my my stores and my brother's stores from the Horsemen, they smoke ninety percent of the pro wrestling tees shit that's out there, man. It's unbelievable to me how good our stuff is and how the artists that contribute to us. We're just thankful for that too. Uh, a big thing if you want to join the Conspiracy Horsemen, if you are a conspiracy nut, you're just learning about us for the first time. Twitch.tv slash Conspiracy Horsemen every Wednesday night around six o'clock. We get the pre-show going even a little earlier than that. Uh, the chat room fills up with a lot of like-minded people, and then we pull about two, two hours and 15 minutes with either the four of us, Stevie, uh, GGP, and Big Sal and me, or we'll try and get high-level guests, which we just had John McAfee and tons of others that you can go back through the archives for free and listen to all these shows. Uh, that These are Everlast shows, too, right? They're, they're not something that will just be there. We've done updates on everything from the Las Vegas uh, shooting multiple shows throughout the years to revisiting Antarctica. So there's, there's plenty that can be listened to and enjoyed. Um, what else have I got going on? Man? <laughs> Hackerhameen.podbean.com is where the podcasts are. Hackerhameen on your iTunes. And then Russo Brand, <clears throat> if you like the Raw and SmackDown review, you can subscribe to Russo's Brand. But if you want that master shoot theater and really be on the inside where the cool kids are, it's all about uh, Patreon.com. Uh, Russo TWC for truth with consequences, but Russo TWC on Patreon and master shoot theater. I'm telling you, you will not be, uh, I will not let you down. I, I assure you that. Yeah, pal. I'm never going to let you down. I'm never going to lift you up. Yeah. Let me one. Never going to. Yeah. 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 Pal. And Brucey. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're gonna finish, but I love it. Love it. Good, Thank man. You. Uh, ben, thank you so much. You got so much going on. I, I implore everyone out there listening, you got to check this out. You got so much good content, great stuff, Conspiracy Horseman. Master Shoot Theater might be the best of them all. So, Ben, thank you so much for all the time you gave us tonight. And I hope you come back sometime soon. Anytime, man. Please feel free to reach out. And uh, my best to you and your family during the holidays, dude. And uh, you guys just keep pushing your boundaries and your limits and making sure the franchise keeps cutting those shoot promos, man, because I love every one of them, dude. So, uh, y'all, uh, Infidel's Attacker, Hameen, Hameen Media Group, find us online, get your $5 face slap, and be destroyed. Y'all, <laughs> This podcast was a presentation of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast empire.